0: This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. Well, welcome to episode number 29 of Your World According to Flint. Happy to have a longtime sorta friend of mine. I guess he might disagree. Okay, here's, here, here's the biographical information I have. He's a seven-time NFR bull rider, Wrangler National Finals, three-time National Finals rodeo saddle bronc rider. People forget about that. 3 times PBR World Finals qualifier. And the current PBR livestock director, current, like the only PBR livestock director ever. And don't let the clothes fool you. Don't let the clothes fool you. He's rich. That's what I was told. <laughs> He's the one and only Cody oh. Lambert. How'd I do?
1: How'd well, I you do got I? your information straight somewhere. That was, <laughs> that was good. It's wrong. Most that's, people I, are wrong. No, that's, that's correct. Yeah, that would that be is correct.
0: <laughs> um, do you get, as we sit here, you're the, you're the, the livestock director for the last however many years it's, it's kind of been your thing, former vice president of the PBR, but you're, you're the bull guy. Do you still every day just get videos of bulls from people, or has it settled down a little bit or picked up? What's
1: it done? It's uh, I'd say it's picked up. I get I get three to twenty videos of bulls every day, and 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 I need to I need to see them. I need to see what they've done. But yeah. in the old days, I mean, when we started out, I had to just call people in Florida and ask them who ha- who might have some decent bulls in Florida or, or call somebody I have trusted in California or something like that and, and try to get them regionally. Now, everybody wants to go everywhere. Every bull's available and there, every time one gets bucked, somebody has their phone out videoing them. So yeah. if somebody, if somebody calls me and tells me they've got a really good bull, I say, send me the video. And they say, Well, I don't have one. I have to tell them now. If he's been bucked in the last year, in the last few years, some kid had their phone out videoing him. So don't give me that. Is
0: it do you do you still get them from like random people you don't know that owns three bulls and this one's gonna be the one? Or are they starting to come? I mean, do you still get that yeah. and they get your number and it's just some guy yeah. from Iowa or whatever?
1: Yeah. And it, and it, it happens all, it happens every week and somebody will say, Mr. Lambert, uh, I'd like to take this bull to Greensboro and they send me the video and sometimes they don't even put their name in there or anything, but I, I got to look at the videos because that's where you find them. And right. so in there, in. In the beginning of the PBR, we just got the best bulls we could. We would get the best stock contractors we could, and they might they might hold us hostage in a little in a, a certain way, saying, "I need to bring twenty bulls, or I can't come." Right. And there's and they've got four that you've got to have. They've got really some. They've got the the best. They they've got Playboy or something like. In those days, that's how it would be, and so you had to find a way to deal with them and and then as the pbr grew it got easier in that way because first of all we paid better for the out money than anyone else and then and then second they they wanted their bulls on tv as bad as as we needed them on tv yeah
0: and and that's kind of i think that's the example i've heard i do some q and a stuff with some riders and the riders that are really good at explaining you know we get a lot of questions especially with some guys like JB now is, is rodeoing. There's been, you know, they, they ask the difference. And a lot of guys explain that that's the difference when you go to a rodeo is there might be two contractors there. And total, they have eight really good bulls. And then the rest of the bulls. <clears throat> and that's kind of the difference in from PBR to rodeo. There's great bulls. It's just you don't aren't always guaranteed to get one
1: of those ones. That's a- that's part of it. They're softer <coughs> at the rodeos. I'll come right out, say for your six thousand viewers or whatever it is, <laughs> however whatever the crowd is, as a whole, they're softer at the rodeos. That's and and they are the 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 UTBs the the Unleash the Beast tour has the toughest bulls that there is day in and day out. A lot of them are the same are are some of the rodeos top bulls get to go to those things. But every time at the UTB, if you, if you ride all your bulls, you're going to win. Yeah. It's gotten that way. It's gotten that way at most rodeos too now. Yeah. Sorry. Some stock contractors trying to call yeah, me. Yeah. See, yeah, so
0: here's what, here here's what happens there. I can tell as we're talking, I can, every time you're getting phone calls and stuff. But that like
1: that was yeah. You know, that one was. I gotta tell you, that was Rick Smith. That's one of my old <laughs> friends right there. That's one of my old brownside friends. And I. Is and that's the worst? It's the worst thing ever to decline his call because is, is Rick uh, because Smith? Is that Rick Smith down in Arizona? He's in Arizona, but he grew up in Wyoming. Yeah, he's
0: he's married to Lynn. They're at Cochise. Yeah.
1: I yeah. know Rick. Yeah. I'll
0: tell him yeah. low when you talk to him. There you go. Um, <clears throat> I I will say when people ask me about rodeo bulls and, oh, the bulls are stronger. All I say is there's great bulls in rodeo because I'm diplomatic. I'm a rodeo fan. But there's great bulls in rodeo, but excuse the to the people listening. The term I use is every week at the Unleash the Beast tour. They're getting on dick slammers every time. Like there's a difference in the power. That's what I see. Difference in the power.
1: Right. And some of those bulls go to the rodeos. And don't oh, yeah. get me wrong. Don't yeah. I'm a rodeo guy through and through. But but it's just obvious that's where the difference is. That's where right. that's what separates the UTB from everything else. There's a there's good bull riders in rodeo mm-hmm. and and there's mm-hmm. good bulls. Yeah. But when when they say it's the best bull riders in the world against the best bulls in the world. The only place for that is the UTB.
0: JB Mooney, JB, who's, I, I've always thought JB was kind of a rodeo guy. You know, he's loving going rodeo. But reality is, and I've told fans this, he rode himself healthy through the spring going to rodeos. He packed up and went to rodeo. In a sense, he rode himself healthy body-wise and in here-wise. He needed it up here probably more than anything, didn't
1: he? JB's a, a legend. He's in... He's one of the all-time greatest bull riders. Uh, There's never, there's nothing that anybody can do or he can do to, to change that. He's one of the all-time greats and he's in the later years of his career. And he's, he's still really good, but he's not as good as he once was. And his, he is a guy that gets up early in the mornings and likes to stay busy all day. And it, fits the rodeo trail fits him to a T. The traveling, the driving, the every bit of it fits him very well because and the staying in the going in the RV and and hooking up and hooking up and having his family there and staying and going and getting groceries just because JB likes to stay busy. JB's not lazy and a and a lot of a lot of guys could fly to the event lay in the hotel room all day and still come out firing. And it's better for JB to have a, to have a busy day. And then he did, he does like to ride a lot of bulls and he did, he did ride himself healthy, but he wasn't going to do that on the UTB tour right. because as you're talking about the bulls, he did get on 10 of them this year and he was old for 10.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's what people ask me. <clears throat> why, why JB quit the PBR? He said, well, in two months of the season, he didn't ride a bull. And that's not, and it, but, that's just a fact.
1: But that, yeah. And, and he's always got a chance. He's he's so yeah. good. He's so good that there's always a chance, but the rodeo deal fits him better. And I'm so glad to see it. I'm glad that, uh, well, him and I talked about it uh, at the end of last year and, I was hoping that he would go rodeoing while he still could, because he was he was planning on it to and I was hoping that he would while he still could. But he was at that time he said, I want to make both finals. And I was I was hoping that he'd just go make the NFR and and get after it. I'm proud of his PBR career. I think he'll always be a PBR legend, and I know he will. And he's he's a bull riding legend. But yeah, but big, he's big just, he's just where he's at. Big misconception.
0: And I've tried to explain this to people. I there's this little thing of ha ha, JB went rodeo. And I don't think people realize all of us that go to PBRs every week, we are we're JB fans and we watch him in rodeo and are happy for him in rodeo. I I, I get some of that with that they think JB's sticking it to PBR, and that's really not the case at all. We're we're loving having JB. I can't wait to watch him oh, at the yeah. NFR.
1: Oh yeah, and we're rodeo guys too. That's the thing is, you know my my favorite cowboy out there, rodeoing right now is Stetson Wright. And me too, yeah. And it's and it's just so, he's so so fun to watch, but he's so fun to watch. But Sage Kimsey is riding so well this year and so consistent that Stetson's, Stetson Stetson oh. has to has to be as good as he is and even better to win the championship in the bull riding, just like he does in the bronc riding against his brother Ryder and Brody Crest. He's, and, and some other guys too, but they're going to have, they're making each other better yeah. on the trail like that. And, and uh, I'm not anti-rodeo in any way, but, but I'll, I'll uh, not hide the fact that the bulls are, Tougher, but that's what separates the UTB, the PBR's elite tour from everything else. Is
0: yeah.
1: you get challenged with a with a different kind of opponent every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that you bring up Stetson. Right, you know, at the NFR, people were bringing up, uh, well, Stetson, how's he going to hold up two events, ten nights in a row? And Stetson said, "It's what I do all year long." If I'm only in one event, that screws me up worse than than doing two. That That's his consistent routine. You know, he told me, I get to the NFR. I better be in two events because that's my routine all year long. I mean, gets, those guys are said, cowboys. They're cowboys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The whole group of them in there, and they're not afraid to win. But Stetson gets me excited because he – I remember working two events and stuff like that. And and not at, not to his level, but I actually made the NFR in two events. But Stetson says he gets to have twice the fun. It's twice the fun <laughs> because he loves his job. Yeah, and that's yeah. how and that's how Ty Murray approached it. Ty didn't mm-hmm. care which event it was. He was he was in three events. And that's and that's why I always go back to Ty's toughness and stuff like that. And I, I tell him, you know, you watch these bareback riders about the eighth round, seventh or eighth round. They can barely walk out of the arena. Ty was sprinting out of the arena because he had to put his saddle on a bronc. And, and then when he got off that bronc, he sprint out of the arena because he had to throw his rope on a bull and go win them all.
0: That's, uh, Larry Mahan has told me publicly, you know, on one of my shows that that he the all around championship as a rough stock guy shouldn't even be in the same category as the all around title uh, for a roper that, I mean, he was really outspoken, like baloney. He said, I don't care what anybody says. If you're an all around guy and do a rough stock, that's a whole different, that's a whole different level of tough and endurance and a true all around cowboy.
1: It, it is to an extent the roping, the roping and, 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 that All of the timed events are just as hard as the rough stock events, but the difference is they're not dangerous. And, and so I, I experienced some of that because I really got to roping calves a lot after I turned 50. That got to be my, I, my uh, addiction, really, yeah. I, I, and I could compete as a calf roper, and, my, and I wasn't smooth, and I didn't have all those years of practice and that great muscle memory. But I remembered what it was like to think you can win just because you can try harder than everyone else or just because you think you're a little tougher than everyone else. And the rough stock events are that way to an extent that and the calf open, the, the calf open reminded me of that. And so that I watch I, a lot of steer wrestlers stay here and and uh, I watch them practice and see how hard they work and how physical they are. And though theirs is close to the rough stock events but it's it's like if they finished that bulldogging run and then had to get up and fight will loomis then it would be like (laughs) it would they get up and fight each other after they after they (laughs) throw that then it would remind you a little it would be a little because it then it would get really scary because those guys are so tough and so that's the difference is the fear factor, I think. Yeah. The phys- the physicality of it, those guys are so good in the timed events now. They've got they've made it for it's it's a physical, they gotta be in the gym and they've gotta be fit and they've gotta be strong and they've gotta be prepared. But uh, the bulldog and steer or the calf you rope is is not gonna maul you.
0: <laughs> I saw one, I was in Australia once though, and there was a bulldog and steer that The guy had to hold him down and then take off running, because one of them was really mean at this rodeo I was at. It was hilarious. So okay,
1: and and that's fun. But those guys, the those guys are so tough that if they just (laughs) if they wouldn't take off running that steer, they'd just grab him and throw him down again. If yeah, okay, all those
0: steer wrestlers that stay at your house or pass through or whatever. Who uh, for rodeo people listening, bull riding fans will get. Who do you think when you say somebody could? if they fought will Loomis is tough some of them are really nice and probably don't fight who would you take uh, so Dakota Eldridge is a really good all-around guy he can oh, yeah. but I don't know uh, would you would you take Dakota it, Eldridge in your on your fighting team what do you think
1: uh, his hands all of them's hands are big enough to cover my whole fist so I'm I want to make sure everyone understands they could all take me and yeah, <laughs> not a good scale so <laughs> so i think well I'll, I'll tell a story dakota and luke dakota was throwing some steers out of the chute trying to break some in that they had leased for practice cattle for the winter and they were staying here and dakota was throwing them out of the shoot, chute, uh dogging them and and uh luke was it was cold luke, luke branquino right at, yeah, Luke, Branquino. Was too, yeah. Luke Branquino is too cold for Luke practice so he's coaching Dakota and Dakota was was throwing these steers and one of them was so bad Dakota couldn't get him down Couldn't, and this steer was tough and he was big and then he got away and he jumped and kicked Dakota right in the chest with both back feet. This was a mean big wild steer and he kicked Dakota and Dakota he bounces up and his face turns beet red and he just jumps over the the uh bulldog and shoot he just he never touched it with a hand he jumped over it and loaded another steer and i said and i said to luke i said do you realize how hard he could hit us right now if he wanted to because he was so that's the only time i've ever seen him lose his temper but when he did lose his temper there i would have uh i would have took him against anyone
0: yeah, but the whole key to that story was you don't take Luke Branquino, who's one of the greatest bulldoggers of all time, because it was too cold for him to practice. What does that yeah. say? Well, hey, yeah, California too. guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was too, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. And Luke and Luke's too nice, too. Yeah. But they're no, all he's nice, but yeah. they're all really but they're all really nice. It's hard to say. Um, Tanner Milan seems pretty tough to me. you know, he's not, Canadian. And, but Canadians. but Hunter Cure Hunter Cure is a badass too. So, <laughs> and and uh and then uh I saw uh the rodeo clown uh
0: Justin Justin
1: Rumper. Justin Rumper. I saw him try to wrestle with Trevor Knowles one time and mm. it didn't and so all yeah. of them are all of them are really tough and it's be hard to say. Yeah. Because they're not it's not like the old days when they used to fight because there was a there was a pecking order because they used to fight when i first came around everybody knew the pecking order because everybody had seen everybody fight
0: who somebody from down south was really tough mm-hmm. oh. there was a couple that yeah, i had roy re-
1: duval, roy duval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, roy duval hadn't did that well, I never saw Roy Duval because he's so nice and everybody loved him, but nobody's going to ever mess with Roy <laughs> Duval because when he was younger, he, when he was younger, he proved it.
0: Yeah. Oh, gee. You know, you talk about all those guys <clears throat> coming through your place. My previous episode, episode number 28, was with Jess Lockwood, two-time world champion. He decided, I, I, some people faulted him, but I was very impressed that at 18 years old, he loaded up. And I mean, he's not really from a town. He's from a ranch and there's no town out there. He loaded up at 18 years old, moved to your place for a while. Did you, Yeah, he did, He did you teach him more about bull? Ride? He it, it, I'll ask you the question and tell you what he said. Did you teach him more about bull riding and more about just life and maneuvering through life?
1: I, uh, I knew his dad. I knew Ed, and uh, I I tried not to be, try to pretend to be his dad or or his role model in that way. But but he had to. He saw what we do every day, so he had to see that kind of thing. But as far as uh, bull riding went, he was already good. But bull riding is. He was good at a high school level and, and the touring pro level, he was starting to win a little money in the PBR, but he made the short go at 12 events and had not ridden a bull in the short go yet. And I just tried to explain to him that the riding is just the same, the riding, except when they buck better, you've just got to do it better. You still do it the same. You just got to do it better. And so, I tried to get that through to him that he had the ability. I, we worked on the mental game. We always work on the mental game more than the physical game because you can't practice bull riding that much like that. So yeah. You've got to you've got to be right. You've got to be right there and and prepared to win. So I I I think I you know, tried to I think I taught him more about riding than I did about living but we he was here for two years so he saw how how we do things around well
0: i think it was ty i think i probably took it i've heard it more time but i think it was hit home i think ty murray's one said i heard him say really there's not that many fundamentals in bull riding there's not that many things you just have to do them right and do them well
1: right that and sense. Do them on, and, yeah. And do them on time and do them right and do them well and do them right now. Because I always try to explain to people bull riding. If you're in time and you're in rhythm and things are going, it's like a dance. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you're with You're with that bull and you're, and it's like a dance, but in the middle of the dance, a fight breaks out. You better be ready to throw down.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, and speaking of that, Ty used, Ty told me the thing about riding a bull it, we were talking about the difference in bull riding and bareback riding in the ro- in rodeo. People think bull riding is so hard on the body. And He said, bull ride, you can be 92 points in the bull ride and you step off and you feel great and you've got that sweet spot and it's this dance. And he said, you just feel great. In the bareback riding. you can make the greatest bareback ride of your life and the high score of your life and it still beats the crap out of you. It's just yeah. the worst.
1: Bareback so, bareback riding, riding is- yeah it is bareback riding is that fight from the time the gate opens it's that's that's the way it is and the bull riding can be it can go either way a lot, a lot of guys ride with more of a fight style and one, others ride with more of a dance style but but you you better have both if you're going to make it in the pbr
0: yeah why why were some people so, such idiots about the reaction to just going and staying at your house and getting help from you why do we uh, i'm not gonna say we because i don't well, why do so many fans they want cowboys should make more money cowboys are professional athletes cowboys are this but when a cowboy does make money or goes and uses the resources like yourself available why do are they then sellouts or oh cody lambert's little boy or i just thought the reaction to it i mean there's not one rider on the tour that couldn't do the same thing and go stay at the year house. You would do the same thing for every single one of them, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah. Any of them that asked one of the kids that's in the top 15 rodeo right now, Kai Hamilton lives here and, and Stetson, right? Kai and Stetson rodeo together. So Stetson spent the month before the NFR last year here. We, we do this. We, this is our life. We love it. But, I don't know why the guys would think that way. Uh, um, when when Ty and I were rodeoing together, we decided that it would make more sense to rodeo in which he'd win the all around every year. So he had a long van that, that he would get. And so if we hired a driver to drive us, we could sleep from midnight and I'd get up about 7 a.m. and I'd take my shift and then Ty would get up and take his shift and our driver would sleep. And it made sense for us that because we were fresh and we were ready to fire when we got to the next rodeo, people started complaining about that. Well, they've got to drive. They've got to drive. Well, yeah. If you guys wanted to win an extra hundred thousand a year, you should maybe spend the 50 bucks a day too. Like we were. (laughs) Why? I I guess
0: I, I've always wondered about, it's just the, what Cowboys are supposed to be like or supposed to do. But I guess I don't <clears throat> understand why more young riders or even veteran riders don't take advantage of resources, whether it's you or, I mean, you, you out of the picture, anyone. Why don't they take advantage of mentors or coaches or the resource? Why don't guys, more guys do that? I mean, I, I think of guys in the PBR right now. In my, I don't know if I should say, I thinking of certain guys. Okay, I'll say. It. Guys that I see lots of talent, but they're really up and down and if they just spent some time consistently with someone, I think they could be great. I'm thinking the na- faces that pop in my head. Mason Taylor, Ezekiel Mitchell right now. Um I mean, I could there's a bunch of them. Those two guys cuz I really like those two and they really can do great things at certain times. Why don't guys take advantage
1: of that? They're they're world and Mason has been a little bit here lately, but but they are world class talents that get in their own way, and because because they grew up in a time when there's so many distractions and there's so much noise out there, and then and there's there's you could we could talk about this all day. You fall off a bull and you get back to the buck and shoots. There's ten guys there that. Are trying to tell you that it's not your fault that he had a yeah. weird day that he did something. It's not. Your, they're trying to make excuses with you because they're the excuse makers and they want you to join their club. It's and I call it the loser club. There's more losers on the back of the shoots that want to help you get over this bad feeling that you got because you just didn't do your job and they want to tell you that it's okay and they want to give you a hug and they're the everybody gets a trophy uh, kind of <laughs> deal like that. Yeah. Yeah. And. And those people outnumber the focused winners. And, and I've learned this more as I got older, I learned because I I've figured out why I couldn't get, when I could get to a, a high level, a very high level, that all my traveling partners, every one of them was world champions. Every one of them wound up, every one of my traveling partners wound up being world champions. Not when we started, but when they got mm-hmm. they wound up being world champions. And so I I didn't kill their confidence and I didn't hurt them, uh, you know, it hurt we because we talked about riding and we talked about stuff. Mm-hmm. But so I didn't mess them up in any way. So I learned that maybe I'm a better cheerleader and a better and a better uh, if you want to call it coach or whatever. But I learned that they have a level of focus. The champions have a level of focus. That everybody else doesn't have. They've got a level that it makes them better. And they they don't accept failure because they don't even see a chance of failure. They they are they are different than our, they are different than the rest of us. And I see that in every world champion when the, when Luke Branquino stays here and stuff, and we get to talking and he's all nice and everything. And then when he's talking about steer wrestling with Tucker Allen or one of those young guys that's that's traveling with him, he travels with young guys. Every run, there's a particular thing that he sees there. That yeah, that's good. You're good. It's, he keeps it positive, but he explains how they could get better. And the champions always are thinking how they can get better and how they can do it better.
0: Look at I always look at the two guys in the PBR that are very polar polarizing in my, in the last few years for one, because they're winners <laughs> for some, you know, guy, guys that are mediocre, aren't polarizing. You don't either love or love them or hate them because they're none to love or hate, but the great ones are polarizing. And the two guys that took the most heat for a camera, following them down the hallway and throwing their ropes and kicking stuff. JB Mooney and Jess Lockwood and the re they hate. I always say to fans, what is wrong with hating to lose? You know, they hate to lose. Joe Beaver has told me story of he'd be coming down the alley and a bull rope would fly by his, by his head. And he he'd hear tough. somebody cussing and he'd go, I knew it was tough. he him every time.
1: Yeah, if, if tough got, if tough got bucked off, you, you waited till he was ahead of you. Like at the NFR, if he got bucked off, <laughs> You didn't go to the locker room first because you're going to get hit with a bail or a spur or whatever he's going to throw or whatever he's going to break. So you wait till he goes and you walk behind him and then you can laugh at him the whole way. You know, laugh at how stupid. <laughs> laugh how stupid that looks. But he meant it. So I yeah. tell you, he that tough was that kind of focused and he had to win that bad. He bucks off at Las Vegas at Thomas and Mack, not the NFR. At the Dorado right. Day's Rodeo, he bucks off 88 of, of Kirby's. The bull that he rode in the 10th round the first year he won the world. But earlier that year, 88 of Kirby's bucks him off right at the whistle. And we go back in the locker room, and it's the same NFR locker room there. And and uh, I look down, in the, and the shank of tough spur was broken completely off. He, so he's basically had one spur. And I said, that probably didn't help you any. He said, no, but I did that after. <laughs> he, just, he, he kicked the chute so hard he broke his rug. spur, <laughs> and, and so uh, he got on Wolfman one time and Wolfman bucked him off. And he gritted his teeth so hard he broke his tooth. He broke his tooth <laughs> without, without, without one front tooth. And, <laughs> and we said, did he hit you in the mouth? No, he didn't. He was so (laughs) mad. He was so Uh, mad he hurt himself. uh,
0: I'd like... There was a moment last winter, I think, that that, uh, Derek Kolbaba kicked the Monster Energy cooler and threw some stuff, and he took that video and posted it of himself on social media as if to say, I know what I did, and fans, oh, look at you, you you know, custom. And I loved that to see Derek Kolbaba pissed off. Like there's another guy that I've always called him the most streaky bull rider I've ever seen. Good. Or he'll, he'll go one for 18 and then ride 12 in a row because he's just so talented, but he's just the nicest guy in the world. I mean, I'm not here to pick apart, you know, different traits of certain guys, but you just see it you know, there's just so much talent out there. And if they could just get it all in the right direction, you
1: know? Yeah. And then you can't take that throwing a fit too far either. Oh no, remember, no not at all. I remember the first year of the NFR was in Las Vegas. Uh, I bucked off a couple of bulls in a row and I stomped out of the arena and I was going down the hallway trying to act like that. And uh, Dave Appleton came and stopped me and Dave, and Dave and I are real good friends. And and Dave was just the messenger. Bud Monroe told him to come tell me this, but Bud wouldn't do it himself because I was too mad. And Bud said, Cody, instead of throwing that fit like that after you get bucked off, why don't you just ride that bull? Use that energy that you still got left and yeah. ride that bull. And and I said, and then so I cussed at Dave and I said, yeah, you tell Bud to come tell me that himself. And then that night I slept on it and I thought, you know what, that's a, that's a really good point there. Don't focus on your end zone dance or the fit you're going to throw when you lose too much, because you need to, uh, what I told and comes back to what I tell Jess all the time. It starts and ends with your writing. If, Mm -hmm. if you can't do that, then the other stuff doesn't matter. Your endorsements will go away. Nobody wants to talk to you. So the writing, the writing is definitely more important than how mad you get when you fail.
0: Well, you know, fans talk about that's been a, uh, that creates something polarizing and creates reactions from fans because they, you know, there's this image every, no matter how you do in the arena, Cowboys are supposed to tip their hat and smile and hug their mom. And, but Jerome Jerome,
1: McCoy did it. Gordon yeah. McCoy would ride two seconds and get up with the biggest smile. And I say, just piss me off every day. Because I, how could somebody be that happy when they yeah. suck? And he said, uh, and I asked him one time, he said, I love my job. I said, well, then do your job. <laughs>
0: uh, well, Jerome Robinson, who, <clears throat> you know, made it to the NFR 15 times, whatever. And he's 11. for, for was 11. 11. To, was it 11? I exaggerate. But for people who don't know, he's on the headset in the arena in a sport coat to this day. Just just a legend in every way. But he always he he has told me, you know, we all acted like that at one time. We just didn't have cameras following us around. You know, nobody knew, so it was a little different. We
1: acted, we acted a lot worse than that in a lot of places. <laughs> in a lot of have, places where there was thing, It's <laughs> a good thing. We didn't have cameras, and back in those days, we we would have been judged as well.
0: Yes, uh, you know I think when we talk about using the resources and the focus and and getting on track, I think in a roundabout way, the Brazilian bull riders, who by the way a lot of them are pretty good, uh, in case you didn't hadn't been watching, I think their bond, uh, because culturally they come to this country, so they hang out together. I think in a way, that benefits them, because they're. That's the only, they got nothing else to do. That is what their sole focus. So when there's five or six of them, they get up in the morning and meet at the gym or get on practice bowls. In a sense, they're using the resources of each other to provide yeah. that focus and make themselves better.
1: That's for sure. And they and they have an ability to stay focused better because they, they speak a different language. So they're not going to be worried about what's coming on TV today or any of those sort of things like that. I've been spending a lot of time with those guys since we this past couple of weeks because we lost one of the young Brazilian uh, future stars and, and uh, we've, we've been talking quite a bit and I've been, I've been spending a lot of time with those guys for the, for the last couple of weeks. And you see that. You see that closeness and it's like family. And it's like a village. They all watch each other's kids. They all, uh, and and it, it's a it's a good thing to see, and it reminds you of the old days when we were rodeoing together, and there were lots of there. You had all that time to talk to each other about what's going on. You you talk about what's going on in your life too, but you talk a lot about riding, and you talk about a lot about preparation. So then, so then you feel like you're on. You're part of a team, and you don't want to let your teammates down because it's an individual sport. But being a part of a team is the coolest part was always for me, being a part of the guys I traveled with, I always felt like we were all on the same team. And it it fit me better. You know, that fit me. The college rodeo days, the college rodeo teams fit me better because I like being part of that team.
0: Speaking of that, did you, what was your, you know, there's uh, some guys, there is a consistency to through your career, who you travel with, you know, my traveling partners. Was there, when you were rodeoing hard, was there a rotation of guys you and tough travel together, you tough lane travel together, Jim Sharp was in Clint Brown. I mean, who was your kind of rotation of guys that were in the rig with you?
1: Well, before, before, before Tuff got his PRCA card of me and Dave Appleton. The first year I went to the NFR, uh, it was me and Dave Appleton. And Dave had just come over from Australia. He's going to college at Western Texas College in Snyder. I was going to, I went one year to Howard College in Big Spring, then I went to Saul Ross, and, and we traveled together. Tuff and I grew up together. So we were always gonna travel together when he uh filled his permit it started being me and tough and uh and then bart wilkinson was a guy that that went with us a little bit and Lane got him with us and Bart Bart broke his leg real bad and didn't rodeo anymore and and uh the next in so all of eighty some of eighty four it was tough Lane me and donnie gay going to the canadian rodeos so i didn't
0: realize he was yeah he just still we flew
1: with him and his he won the world he won the world in 84 and we went flew with him in his plane to the canadian rodeos in 84 and 85 the first donnie made the finals his last time was in 85 and so we went to those rodeos but we didn't travel together all the time with him tough lane and i and then uh in 86, Jim Sharp got his card. And he traveled to get, we traveled together and 80, 86, 87. And then in 88, Ty got his, filled his permit and was going to rodeo. And so I felt like I could help him more because he's working three events and I'm working two and we wouldn't go to as many rodeos as Tuff and Lane and Jim. And so Clint Bronger got in and so we entered the rodeos the same way you know, a lot of when we could travel together but it was Ty and I from 88 on till I till I quit and then and uh Ty was and I still entered I entered Ty and Chad Klein in the rodeos after I retired I still entered Ty I actually entered him I entered Ty his entire career that's that's what I told you we got nine world championships we got nine gold buckles so between you, I, I, entered, yeah. I entered him. I entered him in every rodeo, so I felt like I did my part. To
0: the for even after you retired, you had you
1: entered timer. In it. I did, and I could do a better job then because <laughs> because I could. <laughs> I he, Ty went from when I when he's rodeoing with me. We planned on going to eighty rodeos a year, and so that was our plan at the beginning of the year and making sure we can he can work all three events and I can work both of mine and uh, as it as after I retired he could just go to 40 and still win the all around championship and win the world in the bull riding and stuff like that he was so good it, all he needed was to make sure he's in all three events it it came to a point where I could stay on it all day and see how everybody's entered at Phillipsburg Kansas or or wherever and figure out which day I is the most likely that Ty could have all three events. And then when, when we did it like that, uh, I was a little more efficient and it was good for his career. Cause he didn't have to go to, he didn't yeah. have to enter as many royals.
0: Well, and he took care of it, it, Ty has told me, we've talked about it on here about, it, you know, he, just like your story about the driver, he was one of the first guys to get an agent and got shit for that, you know, um you entered him he had one thing to worry about winning oh yeah i can tell you
1: the greatest yeah and that's that focus that's that world champion focus one time his his second year second or third year as a as a pro we went to window rock arizona was a a pretty big fourth of july rodeo Mm -hmm. at that time and and sammy andrews had it and it didn't happen that often but i left window Rock. And I was winning first in the bronc riding and first in the bull riding with one performance left to go. And I had also been, Ty got bucked off his bull. I was the only one made the whistle that day. And that was the only time that ever happened to me because the guys I traveled with, they always made the whistle. So was right. the only time I ever got the whole, all the day money. So I was winning two events with one performance to go. At a big 4th of July rodeo, we leave and get us a room in Albuquerque and we're going to fly out the next morning. Well, the next morning, Ty calls his mom and dad. And I hear him on the phone saying, well, I was setting forth in the bareback riding and, and somewhere in the bronc riding and got bucked off my bull. And he said, I don't know. What'd you do? And he looked over at me I mean, we're traveling together. And I said, Are you shitting me? I'm winning two events and you didn't even watch because that's hit. That's hit. That was his focus. He didn't care. He, he wasn't, yeah. no, it didn't concern him. And it, I know he watched me ride sometimes because we, we pulled my rope and stuff when we were, when we could help each other if, if we rode it far enough apart from each other. But he was so focused on, his job that he didn't I just thought he was an ungrateful little prick and <laughs> it turns out uh, it turns out that he was uh the greatest champion because he was so focused and he wasn't gonna let what I did or anybody else did affect his performance
0: I can just see him I can see what'd you
1: hey what'd you do hey hey <laughs> hey Clee what what'd you do well, I can just see him. But. I told him, and and, he, and then he was excited for me when he's telling his mom and dad. He said, then he says, hey, he, he's winning both events. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> like he just found out. It, it's funny to
0: me. I don't know funny in how way, ha-ha, or frustrating to me, PBR fans, like real solid traditional PBR fans talk about Ty Murray, such a great bull rider, such a great, I, I, I hope it's never forgotten how great that guy was you know he when i was doing pro rodeos clowning pro rodeos caught him a little at the end of his rodeo career Un, it, you think back now just like the story you're telling of how good he really was i, I think we forget that i think it gets well, you lost think of in some of the new
1: guys yeah you think of the all-time greats in any event in any of them and in bareback riding saddle bronc riding or bull riding and ty could go toe to toe with with every one of them mm-hmm. there there wasn't one there wasn't one uh there wasn't one event that he wasn't a threat to win every day and there wasn't one bucking horse or one bull that you thought he didn't have a chance on yeah. and that and his his is good as the best in every event. I tell people all the time about it. And it? it's like almost like folklore because in 93, when he won the world championship, I was there and I was still rodeo and I was in there and he, bucked off five bulls in 1993. All year. Yeah. All and year. He, he bucked, he bucked off five bulls and he's been on a bareback and a saddle brown before he got on his bull. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. There's and that's, and, but but that, didn't, but that didn't look that unusual because Jim Sharp was there and, and Tuff Hederman was there and they rode everything all the time too. So it wasn't, the their riding percentages were through the roof.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, I'll bring this up because I know some fans watching this would want to know this. Uh, you, we've talked about it and it's, Hollywood's going to Hollywood. You know, they're going to do their thing to simplify a story so that they can make a two hour movie who got screwed the worst in the movie. Eight seconds. As far as traveling partners, they had to make it a three person deal, but well, would Clyde, it be Jim, Clyde Jim Sharp? Sharp. Clyde, Clyde Frost, Frost, Frost got, screwed, got the screwed the
1: worst, the worst, the worst. But then, but then it comes out then it comes to, uh, Jim was non-existent and Jim was Jim was, at that time, was the most dominating, and when they made the movie in 92, Jim was the most dominating bull rider in the world, and, but he was boring because he didn't say very much, and he never got bucked off, so he was kind of, and he had already, he had already uh, been a rookie of the year and a world champion by the time that that Lane died. He'd already yeah. ridden all ten. He'd already ridden all ten bulls at the national finals, and in in '88, Lane was killed in '89. So Jim was a big part of the story. I mean, Jim was was right there yeah. with us all that day in Cheyenne. I mean, it was all. It, 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 he he got no. He get got no recognition. I got portrayed as a different guy than what i really was right uh but but that was you know it was a movie it was a movie and and we told they spent a lot of time with with lane's with lane's parents and with kelly and with tough and with me and and then they went back and took what we told the stories that we told them that happened and made a made a movie out of it and used a little bit of it and and it's a good movie. And I tell people it's 10% true.
0: And I was going to ask what, how much 10% Clyde Frost. God screwed the worst. I, you know, I remember seeing that movie. I kind of remember where I was, you know, I was teaching school or whatever. And then I got to know Clyde and Elsie very, very well. And there's not nicer people in the freaking world
1: than those two. Uh, and and like- that's
0: not Clyde Frost. That's
1: not, That's not him at all. And 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 Lane thought the world of Clyde, and Clyde thought the world of Lane, and they had a great relationship, and and we all did. And it was it was yeah, it was totally different than that. That Clyde, that's how. But they didn't understand like uh, wanting to keep winning, you know. Like it was probably explained to them some way about. Yeah, he won the world championship, and he wanted to win it again. Or they wanted to do it. Again. So then they put it so on the they dad. Put it, they put it on Clyde. Well, he's never satisfied with now, not proud of his son. He couldn't have been more proud of his son that I could tell. And yeah. and he just he's a he's a humble, quiet, quiet guy that was a great. he's an NFR bareback and saddle bronc mm-hmm. rider himself?
0: I, I do think that that movie opened people's eyes and made people look at rodeo a different way. I remember people coming to me saying, Do guys really like ride a bull, then hop in a car and drive all night? It, I don't think people knew all that. And it hit mainstream where it opened people's eyes. I think one thing it can be credited with is how people looked at rodeo. Will Kane, who's at Fox News now. He was on, I had him on this show and he brought that up when he was in college, that movie came out and all his friends, it, it sparked their interest and opened their eyes to rodeo a little bit. So, I mean, there's some real positive out of that as far as the profession goes, you know,
1: you mean, you know, will King, that's, <laughs> I, I that's all I do. that's all I, got. that's all, that's all you said. got out of the whole thing. <laughs> when you yeah. said you knew Will Kane was on your show. Yeah. I, <laughs> Yeah. uh Uh, um, john groundy
0: john groundy who was close with lane he told me one of the greatest things i've ever heard and john groundy said it with tears in his eyes after all these years he said it's a shame he had to die for the rest of the world to know what a good guy he was
1: yeah that's so true that it it is and it it is and it's uh Yeah, we. I I just wish the no, the world could really known him because yeah. he was uh, the the that kind of guy. Everybody liked him, and he liked people and stuff. But the competitor, the the fierce competitor that he was, it gets lost in those nice guys. It's like Michael Gaffney. You yeah. don't realize how tough they are. They mm-hmm. physically and mentally how how competitive and how tough they are. And that and the you know, my favorite part well still one of the favorite stories that I tell about Lane is is if he ever did get bucked off, because he'd ride 10 in a row, 20 in a row, get bucked off one. And that's how tough and Jim were and and I he he would get if he got bucked off, he was so mad he would he would have a smile on the outside, kind of, but he was so <laughs> mad. He was so mad that it didn't matter if it was a 1,000 miles to the next rodeo. None of us had to drive because he's going to punish himself. But you just hope he's not – you're not in your car because he's going to go as fast as it will go. I mean, I I had a Chevy Caprice Classic, and he had that thing shaking so hard that <laughs> that he's going – He's going at least 130 and just as fast as he could go for as long as he could go. And we hated the, we all hated to drive. We thought it, it was like a it was like a contest to see who can get out of driving. So we weren't gonna complain about the way he's driving. And so uh, he would drive as far and as fast as he could. And then when he finally just gave out, like he'd driven all night and he'd give out. That we'd have to just say, "Oh, I thought you had him," <laughs> and then he's good. He's good for another 200 miles. he yeah, get, get mad out again. Should have had back. him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was so funny. Oh, that was so funny. And then another time, he got bucked off in the short goal Reno. A bull of Cotton's called. Which way did he go? Was as hard to ride as any bull. And he's just a dirty eliminator, and he fucked everybody off. And he's and he was 2,000 pounds. And Lane was all over him. And he wrote him seven and a half seconds. And it was Jim's rookie year, 1986. And Lane was from the front to the back, all everywhere. And uh, he gets him. He slams him and kind of hurts him. He hit the ground so hard because he wasn't letting go. And uh, we're driving that night. And Lane said, Jim Sharp's with us in Jim's rookie year. And he said, do you know what he told me? And he, Lane was pissed off. And I thought he was just pissed off about his riding. He's driving. He's pissed off. And he said, you know what he told me? Jim was asleep back there. And I said, what did he say? He said, I asked him what it looked like to him. He said, looked like he just let go. I was, <laughs> and Lane never let go. But that's how the Jim simplified it. Jim was so yeah. good because... You either rode him or you didn't. And if you didn't, it was your fault because yeah. you let go. That's all yeah. that's all Jim needed to know. That was all that, he knew at that time. And that's all he needed to know. That's kind of that's
0: kind of Jim in real life. Everything is that, just
1: black and white. Just, and that's bull riding. That's actual bull riding right there. Is, yeah. Is you either did it or you didn't. And you can talk about it for 400 miles, but you still didn't do it. <laughs>
0: Was Jim, because guys of your, our age, the consensus is Jim Sharp's the greatest bull rider ever.
1: Is that what you think? If Jim's career, if Jim's career was 1986 to 1992, if it would only lasted six years, there'd be no debate. He'd ride 50, he averaged 50 in a row, riding with, and buck off one, and then ride another 50. I guarantee you that had, uh, he been that long, there wouldn't be a debate yeah. about it. And if he, and he has good records, I bet he's ridden more bulls than I bet Jim Sharp's ridden as many or more bulls in a row than George Paul. Huh?
0: yeah. Cause technically what do you ride in a row at the NFR? Like 27 technically he rode the 10 in a row in one year, but isn't there in the three years, there's like 27 or something like, like nine, 10, Eight or something like that am yeah. i
1: right on that yeah it was something like that yeah it was 27 or 28 bulls in a row at the nfr alone but that was that was just gm on a regular basis yeah he he was a I I I would bet his riding percentage is over 95 percent for those first six years that he rode uh, tufts was up there like that too yeah tough was was the same way, yeah yeah but tough tough Tuff didn't ride 50 in a row he rode 30 in a row and the only one that bucked him off is the one that didn't that drug around there and didn't really buck. but but jim if if that's the if his career had only lasted that long but then he had some issues with his groin and some injuries and 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 he rode for a long time and he was just human for the rest of his career he was a really good he was a really good bull rider but he wasn't the best one out there so in, in my, you know, in, in my opinion, I always say that I think Tufts the best because he was, the he went the longest as the best. When he had, when he had to quit, when he had to quit because of neck injury, he was in the lead in the PRCA and the PBR. Yeah. And, he, and that's, that's 14 years into a career, you know, that's yeah. so. Yeah. And that's why um, that's why I always said he was the best. Donnie Gay has the most championships. So, so that could be called, you know, you could well call that's that. if
0: you if you ask Donnie Gay.
1: Well, then he's
0: the best. <laughs> but yeah, he was, was he made an impact. I was, when I was a little kid watching there, the NFR. I
1: was there when he was there. He
0: could ride. I'll tell oh you yeah. I'll him that. He you know what's interesting about Donnie Gay to this day, right now, I'm not talking in the past. He believes in his heart right now he could work out for two months and go ride any bull out there. He believes that right now. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think so. I I think he's wrong, but I'm not uh, going to tell.
1: He's wrong, but he's wrong. But that's that focus. That's that
0: mentality of it. Yeah,
1: he he definitely it. He definitely had it.
0: What do you see – in uh when you because you've seen all that all these years seen all the best bull riders in the world what does jose vitor Lemay look like to you
1: he's he looks like he's got a chance to be the best there's ever been that there's uh a couple technical things just a couple fundamental things in his riding that he could get better at and that's all his every day he does the right thing says the right things he's he loves his job and he wants to be there you remember how good the bull riding was at cheyenne oh the the last cowboy standing that oh my god that was just that was just what it is that was jose and then after it was over jerome robinson and i and and boudreaux did a really good job too and got second but when we walked out of the arena Jerome Robinson and I were talking, and we decided that's what it looks like when guys really want to be there. And yeah. and Jose, he wants to be there, and that he's he's got he's he's a a freak athlete like Ty or or one of those guys. Different, but total different body style, total different riding style. But he's got like a Gym Sharp mentality where he's not going to let those bulls get him and. He's just not, he's not going to let them buck him off. And um, well, I, I I
0: will say, cause I don't know if you know that I've been, you know, all the debates of best ride you've ever seen. I've been there for most of those two and his ride on WUPA Tulsa moved in. That's the greatest bull ride I've ever seen. And I didn't know. And then I, on my uh, Facebook live thing, I had a, a arena level video that, uh, Katie, who, who kind of owns the bull, Katie, Pert, you know, um, had posted an arena level. That's the greatest ride I've ever seen. Like hands well, down the greatest yeah, bull ride I've ever seen.
1: I felt like, I felt like it was exactly the same ride as he made at the world finals. But this time the judges got the score, right? And oh, look, good Look, so those are, it, it's not even the just the best ride it's the best ride and the second best ride i yeah. think both of i think they i think they definitely got it right on that one and uh, three judges had it 49 one had it 48 and a half yeah
0: yeah it was amazing just the way that bull you know i've i've broke it down on it yeah i know i'm not a judge but i've seen it on tv where that bull's front feet hit they hit here one jump and 10 feet that way on the next jump and hit that bull's extension, that's a great bull. They can ride him, but that's a great bull.
1: He does everything. He he, he checks all the boxes. That's how <laughs> you teach, yes. teach scoring. He checks all the boxes. I've seen a bull buck harder than that and get rode one time, and it was when Cooper Davis rode uh, smooth, smooth operator, operator. In, in New Jersey. Yeah. and and uh, But Cooper didn't have the control that Jose had on that bull smooth operator was a half a point better was this i and i teach the judging seminars and stuff and so i've always used that cooper davis's to show uh, how hard a bull can buck and and all the categories that that bull would have been a 25 smooth operator would have been a 25 had he bucked cooper off so he, could, he can only get 24 and a half if he got rode because his number one mission was to throw that rider off. So I can't give him a hundred percent. Right.
0: Right. You can't mark him perfect. If I can't
1: mark him 25 (laughs) there, and that's my, and that's how I teach the judging classes, but, but that's one I've shown over and over. And now Jose's two rides on whoop will definitely be some that we show as well. And, and explaining the categories, the buck, the kick, the, uh, direction change, the intensity and the degree of difficulty on bulls. Yeah.
0: uh Before I let you go, convince, convince us because I've, I've That's questioned too. That's, not on, campaign. But I'm, I'm off bulls now convince Convinced the fans, me. the fans watching and me, why the new season structure of the PBR with the world finals in May. Cause, cause I, I can kind of do it. I can explain some of it. Why that's a good thing.
1: Well, getting off the NFR, you're getting off the closeness of the NFR is a good thing. And having a structured season season that, that ends like other sports do is going to be a good thing because we've got a lot more stuff to offer in the PBR and there's a lot more to come. And so we're not, you're not going to suffer through the other six months of the year either. I can just tell you that. Yeah.
0: I, I think it all – And I, I said this out loud on another deal I do. I just – I think fans, I understand announcing this season first and, hey, wait, there's more to come. But I think we needed to let fans know what's going to happen in that other part to keep them from – to cool them down a little. I'll tell you the hardest question I answer currently – on an airplane what do you do i tour with pbr oh gee now what in people who aren't fans what's your season do you know how hard that is to explain it, that we're a real sport but we don't really have a season and i don't think people are going to see once the adjustment is made the season's going to start in november it's not just right those few months correct
1: we're gonna yeah we're gonna deliver we're gonna deliver the a better product and every bit as much of the product as they, as we have in the past, there's going to get, they're going to get, uh, they're going to get to see a lot of stuff, but if we don't, if we don't make moves and take chances on trying to get better, then at some point we're going to get in a rut and we're just going to do the same thing over and over again, which is good, but maybe we can be even better way better it, it might be great now but it might be so much better uh because we were willing to to risk some stuff and take chances and jim hayworth who was the ceo at one time of the pbr i was telling jim i said we try a lot of stuff in the pbr when he first came on And said we try a lot of stuff and and everything we've done hasn't worked but lots of things we've done has worked and jim said cody if uh everything you do works that just means you're not trying enough stuff
0: mm-hmm. well i know this season thing the season structure change it's been this isn't new this has been in the works for a while to get off the nfr to have season here's what gets me is fans are saying oh what a six month season a five month oh well, why? Why should bull riders have to ride for 12 months, but football players don't? I mean, even if it well, is only six months, you know, yeah. it never makes so, sense to me.
1: Yeah. For one thing, the guys won't be sitting around the other six months. That's this is going to be a great season. It's going to give bull riders more opportunity, more options. It's going to give fans more opportunity and more options, and we're going to bring we're going to bring some stuff that a lot of people haven't thought about yet.
0: I think you're right. I think there's great things ahead. I'll let you go. Great stories. Cody Lambert, everybody. See you next time, according to Flynn.